Foodie Films is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Hey there, foodie fans, and welcome back to another episode of Foodie Films. Of course, this is your host, your chef de cinema cuisine, Kyle Reinfried. What's going on? What's happening? How are you? Got a good one for you today, folks. This is the first, first cut I've recorded since COVID and all that began. And I'm very happy to have the guest that I have on. His name is Brant, and he is in charge of the tap room at Departed Souls Brewery in Jersey City. You guys have probably heard me mention that place quite a bit, and if you follow the Instagram, you see me posting about it. They have some delicious beers there. We don't talk about it on the episode, so um, I think I met Brant around two years ago, and it wasn't at the brewery. Our My, my uh, old roommate, my friend, Tommy, you've heard me talk about him. He and Brant are friends. I think think because of just the brewery or other beer friends, but uh, we were out at a local dive bar, Lucky Sevens, me and Tommy, in comes Brant, and we just kind of, we hit it off, he, he's a fun guy I have a conversation with, so right away I'm just like, uh, I, I need to talk with this guy, so it's been a long time coming this episode, he works at Departed Souls, he bakes, he pickles, he is a foodie. I don't know if I asked him how he feels about the word foodie, but Brant, I'm calling you a foodie, because you are one. And we already, I don't know if we said this on the episode, but I gotta take this guy. He hasn't been to New Orleans. Yeah, we said this on it, but I'm taking him. We're going to New Orleans. It's gonna be a hell of a trip. It will be debaucherous, and just so much food and drink. It's gonna be fantastic. But in the meantime, here I go, talking with Brant, talking beer, Talking all the great stuff Jersey City and New Jersey in general has to offer. It's fitting that we're drinking a beer from Hermit Thrush, which, like I told you, is the first brewery that like I covered on this. And then I did a live event right before everything the quarantine happened, and that was at Yonkers Brewing. Okay, that was fun. And now I'm talking with you with a hermit thrush beer with a hermit thrush beer not a departed souls beer that's uh we can make that happen if you want we can yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh for the foodies that are out there listening why don't you introduce yourself and just tell them what you are doing in the food and drink industry um so my name is brant 
I uh, work at Departed Souls. I run the, the tasting room there, which is a brewery in Jersey City. Um, and it's very different than it used to be, you know, three, four months ago. We've had to pivot our business pretty quickly. Uh, so that's me in, in the beverage side of things. Uh, on the food side of things, I'm just a big food nerd. Like, I, <laughs> I cooked during college. Yeah. Uh, it's how I paid bills a little bit in a shitty, tiny little kitchen that I adored. Um, got into sourdough baking because I looked at the ingredients on a loaf of bread one day, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. Why are there all these other things there? I can do this myself. <laughs> uh, which is the same reason why I got into pickling, and honestly, I got into beer in the first place. I started home brewing back in... 2005, 2006, you know, my, my now ex-wife, you bought me a homebrew kit and uh, the rest was history. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. There's just so many different, I just already see like the spider web in which we are going to be climbing on in this episode. It's basically fermentation. It's anything <laughs> ah, there you fermentation. Go. I'm all it's, for analogy, so you know, there we it's, go. It's, <laughs> it's what it comes down to. They're all different types. So, so, so let's just start at the beginning. Uh, where did you grow up? What were you eating? Who was cooking? All that. So I grew up in Camden County in a tiny little town called Somerdale. And uh, I guess if, if I were to pick out my two biggest food influences early, it would be my grandmother, who did the vast majority of the cooking and, and who taught me to, to cook initially, and my father because he was adventurous and it's like I remember as a young child sitting down at a table and opening up a can of like smoked mussels or smoked octopus and eventually that also led to me having my first moose head at a way too early of an age but you know we were picking crabs one night and it seemed like a natural progression so you know that's kind of where everything started for me um, and eventually I went to Rutgers like I said I worked in a kitchen and it just sort of went from there um, and although it's it's sad to bring up today, it's like I cooked in a kitchen, uh, Kitchen Confidential came out and I read it and so much of that book rang true because this kitchen was filled with every type of miscreant you can possibly imagine, you know? Yeah, yeah. People doing drugs, you know, people that couldn't find jobs anywhere else, whatever it is, but we came together and, and we worked as a kitchen and it's like there's a... a a piece of that book where he talks about kitchens being like a pirate ship and like that really really rang true to me so and then it's like that it just took off from there you know it's yeah yeah we're recording on the uh, anniversary of anthony bourdain's passing so cheers to him cheers to him i miss that voice Yours is sounding good right now. I've got the headphones on. I'm listening to it. you got the baritone going on. So, Well, I appreciate that. I'm a little less traveled. <laughs> and by a little, I mean a lot. <laughs> I think anyone is compared to like Anthony Bourdain. Right. But that was, yeah, his, his voice, I think we would, I miss it more than ever right now. I would love to hear just with everything crazy that's going on in the world, what advice he would have. I just, I just rewatch those episodes yep. and I read his books and I try to remember... It would probably be drink heavily with locals. <laughs> Outside. Right. Six feet apart. Six feet apart. Yeah. Uh, so growing up, you've got your, your family members as your influences. Were there any dishes that you were just like, like, was there a food awakening? Was there one that like you were thinking about during the school day and you were just, you, you just wanted it? So blue claw, blue claw crab. Hands down. It's like I would go crabbing with my dad and my grandfather and my Uncle Bill. 
and sit on a screened porch and pick crabs for hours. <laughs> and it's like, if there is a, a, a smell and a taste that just like reminds me of childhood, it's that. Um, and my grandfather's tomato garden. Like I remember walking through that garden and coming out and smelling like a tomato. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. And uh, I'm super psyched as a little tangent. Um, a customer of mine got the new Jersey tomato. So apparently Rutgers re-engineered the tomato again to taste more like that. Oh, wow. What I remember, or so they say. But uh, Yeah, because there's so many things, of, that, right. like, like bananas, that are supposedly don't taste like what bananas yeah. used to taste like. And it's like, even when I would get like heirloom tomatoes and, and whatnot, and I would taste them, I'm like, this is close, but it's, it, it isn't what I remember. Wow. Know? And of course, palates change and everything else, but... Uh, it's funny because I have some of these plants over here and I was smelling them earlier today and I'm like, this is a smell that I remember. And, and before you go, you'll have to smell them. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy what, I mean, what smell and then taste like that just can be just so nostalgic and just take you back like that. Mm -hmm. And so for that, that's that's really cool. I did not I did not hear about that. So I can't wait to have the... What are they called? The new New Jersey? I don't know what they're calling yeah. them. I just know what they are. <laughs> and I know that I suck at growing things. So yeah. this is going to be an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> so the restaurant you were working at during college, what was that like? Recently, um, one of the recent movies we covered was Waiting. And I didn't realize how much of like a cult classic film. I remember being a funny movie. I hadn't seen it in a while, but I had seen it multiple times. I saw it when it came out. And it was, you know, like one of those movies... That I was watching during college, it was there was just this time period of like raunchy food comedies, mm -hmm. like Harold and Kumar go to White Castle, Waiting, Clerks Two. Yep. But um, but just the 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 culture of like like you were saying in in Kitchen Confidential, how they were talking about just the kitchen unit and that family and that like teamwork, that camaraderie, and that's what I feel like, even though it's a, like a like a raunchy comedy that's like what people bond to and they're just like oh man like like our mutual friend tommy my old roommate like he was just like yeah man like i worked at a bar i had friends that worked at restaurants that's exactly what it was like he was like maybe not as many ball and dick games or whatever but <laughs> so this was it was a much smaller restaurant it was called newbies it was in new brunswick it was on the corner of easton avenue and somerset the building no longer exists uh, I didn't work there for particularly long, but uh, I needed money, and they had to sign up, and it said help want it. I went over, and they're like, we're, working, we're, we're looking for a dishwasher. And I said, well, I think I can wash dishes. I was wrong. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I learned to do it, but yeah. it's like you have an Im image of you, in your head of, of how you wash dishes in your home, mm -hmm. and then you get into an actual kitchen, and it, it's very different. It's a, st it's a station. It is a yeah, crucial with, station. With pots and pans flying at you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some of which are hot um but uh but yeah it was just a tiny little sort of diner and it was mostly breakfast that we did did a little bit of lunch did a little bit of dinner but uh but we turned covers in that place particularly homecoming weekend yeah it's just a nightmare but uh but it was fun it was a good time you know i, I met some great people i I learned how kitchens are worked. I worked. I learned chain of command, even within that tiny little kitchen that we worked in, and and that was important. And it sort of stuck with me, you know, through everything else I've done. 
Yeah, it's just crazy that like I, I feel like working in a kitchen is one of those jobs that you can take the lessons and the values from that and apply it to so many other things. Because I think in the end of the day, obviously, it's great if you're a strong individual worker, but if you can't work as a team, right? That just that's a make or break in a lot of fields, obviously. So. Absolutely, and also a big part of it is having a discussion with a superior and the decision goes away that you don't want it to go, but still having to execute what that decision is, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and that's, that's the name of the game and virtually everything we do. <laughs> Any particular um, ones come to mind from back then? Not particularly, yeah. you know, it was more of a lesson, but like now in, in the brewery, it's like our, our owner and I will have discussions about things and, you know, sometimes it'll go my way. Sometimes it'll go his way. And I know at the end of the day, I execute what he wants to the best of my ability. And that's it. It's his business. Yeah. Well, um, what kind of cuisine were you guys doing at that restaurant? It was diner cuisine. It was diner cuisine. Yeah. yeah we a, had like, a very, I love it. This is like a very Jersey episode. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we had like the, the college special, which yeah. was like a scrambled egg, a pancake, and some bacon for like yeah. two ninety nine. You <laughs> <laughs> Were you in grease trucks back then? Oh yeah, of yeah. course. Hungry eye, man. That, that was that was that was my John. Like you wrapped up at the bars. That's where you would be. Oh man, Dimitri, love that guy. <laughs> I've been craving just like a sandwich from there, or then just with Bourdain in mind. I've been thinking about. And I was scrolling through your. Uh, through your Instagram before, and I saw that donkey's cheese steak. Man, that's so good. It's it really now you know so that th there's even like now a, a Bourdain you know from the, from the uh, from the ep from the Jersey episode. There's the Bourdain food trail, so it starts up at Hiram's, and then mm -hmm. there's like all the other spots. And I think it ends in like you know Cam I think Camden's the furthest one, right? With donkeys, and I hadn't been there before that episode. And I made it a point to go like right after. And he, you know, he, he declared it like this might be the best cheesesteak, like even better than any cheesesteak you get in Philly. I think that's a bold statement because there are, are drastic, dif having grown up in the area, there, there, there are differences between those sandwiches, right? Yeah. And it, it go, it's more than just the bread. Um, but it's a delicious sandwich. You well, know, I'll, well, just even the fact that you're saying sandwich, it almost falls more... It's like, I think it kind of supersedes a cheesesteak. I feel like right. it's closer to a steak sandwich. I'd agree with that. Right? Because yeah. just even the, like, the way the meat is, just even possibly the quality of the meat, but then you start factoring the other things like on a round Kaiser with poppy seeds and all, all that kind of stuff. And you're like, okay, it's kind of like this hybrid between a cheesesteak and like a steak sandwich that you would get. Like, it's a mess of a sandwich. Uh, it's tough to get through. It's so good, though. It really yeah. is. I always make the mistake of eating fries. And it's like I get through the sandwich <laughs> and I'm like, what yeah. am I going to do with all these french fries now? The first time I went there, my, my friend and I, we, uh, we ordered, there was three of us and we ordered four of them. Because my one other friend was just like, ah, oh, it's it's on a round roll. Like, let's we'll we'll split the other one. And then we were just like, <laughs> like just looking at our first one, and then looking at the one just lingering on the corner of the table, going like, well, you know, I hope this tastes uh, good. If we wrap it up and take it to go, because as much as I want to finish it or you know have that other half, it wasn't gonna happen. Because that is a hearty 
sandwich. See, I just lean into it because I know it isn't going to be as good the second I leave that restaurant. Yeah. Like, in fact, the last time my cousin Paul was visiting from Colorado, he, he grew up here. And okay. He, every time he comes out, he, he always says he wants to do something that's quintessentially New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so we went to Donkey's and we went, then we went to the aquarium. Like adults. <laughs> I remember going to that aquarium as a kid, and like my parents, I think my mom was like really frightened to go to Camden. I grew up right next to it, basically. Yeah. So it was always like, all right, Camden's bad, but you know where to go and where not to go. It's... I think seeing, you know, how everything, even we're in Jersey City right now, and just how this city has changed. I think Camden, I think its day will come. You know, you know, like I, I just maybe call, call call me being an optimist, but at the same time, I know nothing about real estate. But what you see is like water, you know, waterfront property ends up having value. Exactly. So I think once this city is, lack of a better, fully gentrified or to met to whatever level that people want to finish it at, like you know, there's going to be the next project. And I see cities like Trenton and Camden possibly receiving that before even like a city like Patterson or maybe even Newark. Newark's diff- a little different though. I don't necessarily want to see like the gentrification of a place like Camden because Camden is, is a truly sad story. You like the way industry pulled out of there and, yeah. and it just collapsed. Like Camden was once a beautiful city and like there are still a lot of really good people that live in Camden and live around Camden and I'd like to see it go back to its working class roots. You know, at the end. Oh, of the for day, sure. Yeah, know? and it's, it's, and living in Jersey City, it's, it's, it's a constant struggle because the Jersey City that I moved into about a decade ago isn't the same Jersey City that it is today. It's terrific. Don't get me wrong, uh, but it's like the edge is kind of gone. Some of it doesn't quite feel as real. It's lost some grit. A right? little bit. You know, it's a little too shiny. It's getting more like Hoboken. I'm not going to make that statement on air. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> it has, it has, I mean, number one, Hoboken should just like become defunct and just be called like a different like neighborhood of Jersey City or something, square mile city that it is. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It, uh, Hoboken has some terrific places. And, oh, no, it does. And, yeah. And it still has character to it. And I'm glad it's its own individual thing. But they were both like this, you know, I, I, if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times, I love a good harbor town. And that's like what these used to be. Yeah. And these were cities that made things like Camden. Yeah. And we don't make anything anymore. And the things that used to make places are just becoming these luxury rentals, luxury lease lofts. Yep, exactly. And nothing is being made. So that definitely, something has to change when it comes to that. Just even the fact, I mean, yeah, there used to be a ball club in this city. Like, wouldn't it be great if there was, like, a AAA ball club? Yeah. That'd be amazing. It'd be yeah. great. Having lived in central New Jersey, I used to go to uh, oh, the, the uh, Somerset Patriot game all, yeah. games all the time. That was super fun. That would be... I would, I would love... I, I, I have, you know, having since moved here, I'm just like... Like, all ago, Jersey City, I have nothing but even... Some would say too much pride or you know like and granted hey man i'm a bergen county kid like i grew up in like a privileged uh you know sub- cle- one of the most cliche <laughs> suburban towns even tommy growing up in like sea caucus would just be like oh yeah you know bergen county kids and stuff right like white that. picket fences exactly but two I, cars in the driveway yeah but at one point like my like when my uh ancestors like moved over here 
that this is here. Hoboken and Weehawken is where they went, and then they moved into like Teaneck and Paramus, and the further inland and further inland they got. And then I'm mm-hmm. just like, I just want to be in the place where things are happening. I want to be able to walk to stuff. Right. Exactly. Forgetting even like that Uber exists nowadays, but that was always the biggest thing. Like just growing up in like the suburbs, we were just so bored until we were able to like, and we would ride our bikes everywhere, everywhere, and then be too tired to even like ride them back sometimes because we just wanted to keep going. The first day I got my license, I said, "Who's coming into the city with me?" And that's just like what it was. And so, yeah. Well, we had to be in by the time the streetlights came on, so you made sure you rode that bike home quickly. <laughs> <laughs> You said before how you, your cousin was visiting and just wanted like quintessential Jersey. What what is quintessential like? What else is quintessential Jersey to you? So in in the, the 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 frame of my cousin, you know, it's always like pizza. He has to get pizza every time he comes back here. Yeah, and it's like there's this one pizzeria, and and he grew up in the same neighborhood that it, that I grew up in. He went to the same high school. We played tennis for the same high school. And it's like, there's this one really lousy pizzeria that he loves. It's the greasiest <laughs> slice of pizza. You have to blot it with a napkin to get the grease off the top of it to make it what I would even consider to, to begin palatable. And he, he loves this stuff. Um, I guess that's the nostalgia right there. Right. right? Yeah. You know, and uh, bagels, you know, of course, because it's like, they don't exist. And it, it, obviously, do you, it, it's a New York thing. Yeah. You know, and I'm not trying to take it away, but you know, Jersey has a lot of really good bagels in it too. You know, so that always comes up. Do you have any favorite local spots in uh, Jersey City that you're like, this place does it right when it comes to like pizza and bagels and those kind of staple dishes? So it's like bagels, no, because I started making my own sourdough bagels, and it sort of ruined bagels for me <laughs> everywhere else. I hate to say it. I wow. Mean, um. That's all that there is to it. Uh, in Brooklyn, there there was a place. I don't know if they're still there. Avenue and Bagels. When I was doing outside sales in IT, every once down. in a while, there I'd be in that neighborhood, and it's like I would always stop and get bagels and whitefish salad. Um, but pizza in Jersey City, I love Delineos. I think they're amazing. They're like my staple. They're my go-to. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we have Razza, which is which is incredible. Yeah. Um, got so much press and of but, course the snarky titles in the newspapers right. like best new york slice in new jersey question mark yeah and then it's like well then it's not a new york slice <laughs> and, and also nothing about that pizza is a new york slice that pizza is, is it's craft pizza it's beautiful it's yeah you know using local ingredients it's amazing they have this summer corn pizza there that is outstanding it's just so fresh, and I love it because it's just like that Jersey, like fresh corn. And then they even did like then they were doing like a Jersey tomato salad there, and it was just everything was so good. And I love I love those pies. But yeah, like you said, I mean that's the the new hit thing. Or I mean it's been around for a while, but like Neapolitan style, and mm-hmm. that's and that's what that is. And then they're just pushing it a little a little further, but right. it's not, but it's not that classic New York or Jersey slice. You're absolutely right, but you also realize like we take pizza for granted. Like, yeah, totally. Uh, the bar is so high; it's like your run-of-the-mill corner store slice of pizza that you can grab is super solid. Yeah, yeah. 
and you go elsewhere in this country and that doesn't exist. So we're, we're privileged and people can call New Jersey the armpit of America all, or, or the United States all they want. And it's, <laughs> all right. If the quality of pizza is here, I'll be the armpit. That's fine by me. That is the quote of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's, if you're going to take anything away, you'll be, you'll, you'll be the armpit as long as there's that pizza. I hope I don't get famous for that long. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, let's talk. I mean, let's talk the bread that is that is ruined like bagels for you. Then let's talk sourdough and just. I mean, let's during quarantine. I can't tell you how many people, and then even my, you know my girlfriend's mom got me a sourdough kit. And I'm like, I'm gonna hold off on that for now because number one, she got me that. And I'm like, that's like she gave me like a a canary. Like a, like a little pet. Right. Like, I'm just like, so the pressure is on. Like, I don't know what to do right now. And I'm just, uh, you know. Here's but, the amazing thing about sourdough. It takes time to get feel of the process. Mm -hmm. um, but even in the beginning, when you're making loaves of bread that don't necessarily look good and the crumb isn't fantastic, it's still bread. It's still delicious. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I think people get caught up too much, in, and myself included, in... In the aesthetics, you know, and the proper scoring and the beautiful ear on the bread and everything else. I gave away a ton of sourdough starter during this whole process because I had it and I want people to make bread at home. Yeah. I'm not trying to put an industry out of business. Don't get me wrong. There's nice, it's nice to be able to go out and pick up a baguette because they're a pain in the ass to make. <laughs> um, also croissants too. Never trying that again. But... Um, <laughs> You'll notice on my Instagram the pain in your eyes. <laughs> you notice on my Instagram, you don't see too many pictures of croissants because it was just a nightmare. Um, but uh, but it's it's. I think that that we as a society need to learn how to do these things ourselves mm -hmm. and learn how to do them at home. Start making things again, right? You know, don't let those traditions die. I mean, I think I remember reading somewhere what it's it's one generation it takes for people to forget how to do things. Um, yeah. Who's the chef at uh, Favacon that said that? Oh. Magnus. Yeah. So bad. Me too. Just terrible. <laughs> but when he was, he was doing a cookbook that's all about, you know, the, the regional cuisine. Yeah. And he brought it up. So he said it's one generation. You know, that's all it takes. Is you learn, you forget how to do it in a generation if no one's doing it. Yeah. And it's like, bring it back. Bring back all the old, all this thing. Have a vinegar mother. You know, sitting underneath the sink and make your own vinegar and make your own sourdough bread and and naturally make your own pickles and ferment your own vegetables. It's really not that hard. Just even people like I mean, like save your bacon fat, right. <laughs> simple things like that. Yeah. Make Which fried it? rice and you've you've saved your bacon fat. You know how good fried rice is when uh. that's your base. <laughs> I'm not necessarily saying my cardiologist would be happy with me right now, but. <laughs> But yeah, that's something that getting back to basics in a way of mm -hmm. just like again, you're not trying to end a end an industry or no. like or other like or just even like a, take away from another local business, but because there's just there's the gratification that comes with it, or just you know the just the and especially during these times, I've been I mean during during this quarantine, I've been out of work as a freelance videographer for three months now. I very much haven't been out of work. <laughs> Somehow people that work for breweries ended up being essential personnel. So I've had yeah. a very different, you know, quarantine experience than everybody else. And I'm yeah. super grateful for that. I didn't have the whole like stir crazy thing and I and I was never out of work and 
and our owner Brian did a did a hell of a job of and in the very beginning he said I'm going to keep all of our full time employees, you know, on payroll and and paid exactly how they were before. That's great. And he's done it. It's amazing, yeah. and uh, I'm super appreciative of that. Um, but uh, but it's good that we've gotten back to learning how to do things ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I think that's terrific. Yeah, from from you know, I've just been trying to process and just figure out maybe some things I can start doing once I can start working again as you know as a freelancer and one thing I want to do is I would love to and of course people are going to be weary at first being around like family members and like in filming things and also I'm going to be talking about an older generation but I would like as something to go and film like people's parents or grandparents cooking certain dishes as like a as like a little keepsake there's you know dishes that my grandmother makes that i'm just like i would love to like just hear her you know through the rest of my life hear her voice explaining her process um you got to record it you have to film it right and i know this because i at one point decided i wanted to digitally catalog all of my grandmother's recipes wow yeah and and i started and i went through and i had a a, a shared google drive with my cousin out in colorado and i'd write down the recipe and then i would make it and it'd be terrible and i would go back to my grandmother and i'd be like man what what did i do wrong here? yeah yeah she'd be like well you didn't do this this and this i'm like but it's not in the recipe she goes yeah because you just know how to do it that's always the best part when it's just like, well, how much do I put in? Well, you just do like a scoop and, you know. And oh, it's... great. I'm making biscuits. She could have told me that I should put the butter in the freezer before I tried to grate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think that would be, you know, kind of a good idea. And just again, like, I mean, for those that want to cook those dishes, fantastic. Mm-hmm. But then just for people, just as like a nice little keepsake because, I mean... Food and family. That I mean, just talk about keeping you know, just keeping the ties in and, and keeping those memories going and those traditions and cultures. Mm-hmm. That's what you know. There's just those are those dishes that unfortunately. I mean, my my mom. So her mother passed away like five five years ago, and there were some key dishes also. But the woman was Irish, so she didn't have too many. <laughs> like, you know signature dishes, or you know, but uh, but my mom definitely. Like, she learned them and has passed them on to me. But, like, with my father's mother, who is still around, she just, like, every Christmas Eve, that was, like, we went there, and it's big Italian feast, and she makes, like, these spinach raviolis, and she makes her, you know, her cheesecakes, and cream puffs, and her chicken parm, and eggplant parm, and it's just all these recipes. I'm like, I need to record them. I need to just, like have this tangible you know or just this video and just and be able to keep hearing her voice and probably yelling at me and saying like i don't want to be on camera and it'll be awkward but it'll be worth it it's totally worth it you've got to do it i'd watch that yeah maybe, maybe i don't know you're a web series <laughs> norma reinfried you're a sweetheart so when did you first start working at departed so I've been at the party since the very beginning. You know, I helped uh, Brian open the brewery. Mm-hmm. Uh, I brewed the first. I brewed the first batch of all grain beer with him. That was brewed there. Um, our buddy Kyle McDonald, who used to be the head brewer at uh, 
I think his last name's McDonald. <laughs> uh, at Harvest Moon, he brewed the first. He helped Brian brew the first gluten-free batch. Um, and I've always been sort of trying to get my own projects off the ground. Yeah. And then it was this past October that Brian and I. Well, maybe me. I grew up enough that I could work day to day with Brian, <laughs> and uh, he brought me on as tasting room manager full time. Awesome. Um, but I've been involved in that brewery in some way, shape, or form since it started, and uh, the community in Jersey City has supported us in a way that I could never imagine. Through all this, it's been amazing. Um, I mean, it's Jersey City's only brewery, right? I mean, not anymore. Nine hundred two nine hundred two is, is, is opening up. A tap room, right over by, or are they they're full, opening a whole fa- whole facility. Yeah, they're oh, okay. they're. Uh, I mean, I don't think they necessarily have all their permits in place, so that th- you can do uh, curbside pickup okay. of their beer. I'm not sure if they're allowed to deliver, uh, but uh, yeah, they're in Jersey City now as yeah. well, which is great. Yeah, the more breweries, the merrier. Make this a beer destination, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah. You know, do you a, do you know? I've never looked it up. Were there breweries here back in the day? There were. Okay. The uh, pre-prohibition. There, oh. we were the first brewery to open up since prohibition. Wow. Yeah. And what year did Departed open up again? Uh, five years ago. Yeah, about f- to, yeah it was about to. Yeah, 2015. Okay, is, is yeah. when we got started. So we're talking prohibition ended, I think, in 30. Three, thirty-four. Oh, I don't remember. Wow, something mid mid thirties. Yeah. So that's just a crazy. That's you know, it's like eighty years later. Yep. And then a brewery opens. Sure. Up. What was your? Do you remember your first like craft beer? Like the first brewery you went to? <sighs> the first brewery that I went to. Believe it or not, it was there's there's a town in, in Michigan. So my dad's family is from Michigan, mm-hmm. and it's called Frankenworth, Frankenmuth, something like that. And it's all like this this 18th century Bavarian village. It's the coolest place to walk around. Wow, that's awesome. And um, there was this this brewery in town. I don't remember the name of it, but they had this black lager on draft, and this was 2001 you know, that I went there, and. Uh, it was actually right after September 11th. There was a family reunion. And I remember sitting down and taking a sip of this beer and just being like, this is incredible. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, but well, other than that, <laughs> honestly, it was Harvest Moon. Harvest Moon was the first because uh-huh. Harvest Moon was in New Brunswick and I went to school at Rutgers. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Mine was Defiant up in uh, Pearl River. Pearl River. Yeah. That was like, it was like, oh, beers don't have to taste like Budweiser mm-hmm. or, I mean, my go to beer was always Yangling. Sure. Still, still drinking Ling, but uh, but it's like oh, like their their I think their original was Muddy Creek. I think is their like OG beer, and it's like wow, this is delicious. And there's just other you know before that exotic was Blue Moon mm-hmm. and Guinness. <laughs> Guinness definitely. We uh, so Old Man Rafferty's in New Brunswick had this great little cooler section in it. When I was and I was at I was at Rutgers from '96 to 2000 to to give you a, a mm-hmm. frame, and they had tons of imports, and it's like every once in a while we'd be just like oh let's get this mix, like big six pack of of these imports yeah, yeah and yeah. it was like Doppelbox and these crazy import stouts and things like that and like most of them we were just like oh this isn't like, how do how do people drink this it's so thick, <laughs> uh, but that that was that was sort of my my real entry to it. Um, and when I was in finance, I was really into wine for a little while. 
uh, and then I got into beer. And uh, a lot of that was due to my, my former father-in-law um, because he was really into a lot of the, the, the European beers. And he started mm-hmm. introducing them to me and I got into the Belgian beers. Yeah. And eventually I got into American craft, but it was all like stouts and porters for me. I hated IPAs. And my ex-wife loved IPAs. And it's like when I would travel, I would always, she would always ask, to bring, ask me to bring back the hoppiest beer. <laughs> and, uh, and I would, and I always take a sip of it. And I remember the beer specifically. It was Left Hand Warrior. Left Hand Warrior. Yeah, and uh, that was the IPA that I brought home. It was hopped with, 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 uh, with the Hop Warrior that you know, I cracked and I took a sip of it. And I'm like, why haven't I been drinking these all along? They're delicious. <laughs> And this is probably you know, 2005, 2006, right around the time I started homebrewing. Maybe yeah. a little bit earlier than that. What style That's beer it. was your original? Like, was it just like a lager, a pilsner, your, your homebrew? The very first beer that I homebrewed was a Hefeweizen. Oh, wow. Yep. All right. There you go. And it was with the uh, Vine Stefaner yeast strain, the, the clone of the yeast strain. Mm-hmm. And it, I fermented it way too hot, and it tasted like straight banana. <laughs> 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 as all good Hefeweizen should <laughs> that was not a good Hefeweizen but I loved it because I made it myself and it was like that was the real spark for me did you, you know, come up with a name for it like I'm the worst going, person going bananas no, no. it's called Hefeweizen because that's what it was <laughs> that's that's the I mean you gotta give credit to so many breweries but obviously Departed Souls just the names that you guys come up with are ridiculous. It's not you guys. It's all our owner. Like, it is, I, oh, it's all him. Really? It's, that is all that's, him. That's like, his, he, yeah. Yeah. I mean, can we, let's talk trash can banger. Sure, let's The talk. national news of this, <laughs> this, this scandal of a scandal. <laughs> You're getting the exclusive here, folks. <laughs> so first of all, the beer is delicious. I haven't get I've haven't gotten to have it yet because it sells out like that every time. You guys just on Saturday, what I forget how an many. hour, one hour, yeah, fifteen cases, two quad pack per two quad pack max per person, yeah, and it was gone within an hour. That's crazy. That's crazy. Was there like a line people people specifically asking? For we had that? a line of people when yeah. we opened, and and that's new to us. Yeah, we've always sort of been this neighborhood brewery, and we've we've prided ourselves that way and yeah. it's like now there's this hype component to it and it's like I find myself apologizing to people all the time because it's like I, we don't know how to be a hype brewery it's like <laughs> we're trying to figure this out as you're yeah. clamoring for for this beer did, um, did you guys I mean did Brian think like or even when it, I mean so he's coming up with the names is there ever any kind of like dis- group discussion like what do you guys think of this name? And then specifically with this one, like, was there even an inkling of like, oh, maybe this will catch on in some kind of way? Like that it'll... We had no idea it was going to be what it is. It's like, we're all sports fans in one way, shape or form. Yeah. You know, we all love, you know, hockey and and soccer and, and football. And even the guys that aren't really into sports are into like skateboarding and things like that. So... Yeah. Um, so he came up with this and, and he thought it would be a lot of fun and, uh, and we released it not thinking anything of it yeah. you know in fact it's yeah. like I bought a four pack and I brought it home and it's like I crushed the cans and threw them in the recycling <laughs> now they're like 
could be amazing keepsakes that like you could get like sports icon signing. And for those of you, any of any of you that don't know about the trash can bangers, it is in this awesome like those like the retro astro like the colored stripes and everything, mm-hmm. and it's referencing. Was that 2016? 2017. 17. Yeah, where they were filming the, like, what? They were stealing the, 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 signs. Stealing signs. And they were banging the, on yeah. trash can yeah. lids or trash cans to, to let people know, let their what, players what know that. What pitch was coming, yeah. So, so they cheated. Yeah. And everybody cheats, let's be honest, but they got caught. Yeah, they um, got caught the way, like, the Patriots got caught. Right. Yeah. And you know, we just figured we'd poke a little bit of fun at it. and uh, And then I'm trying to remember the order. It was... We got some local press from it, and then I think it was Yahoo Sports, CBS Sports, ESPN. Then I got a phone call from somebody at Sports Illustrated asking for the head of our media relations division. And I was just sort of like, (laughs) I I don't know who that is. (laughs) Not I, sir. Um, I'm pretty sure that's above my pay grade. (laughs) That's crazy. I... Has have any of you guys like said out loud or like thought again with everything COVID relating going on and there being practically no sports and sports talk? Do you think this is getting more light because of that? Or absolutely, yeah, without a doubt. Okay, I mean there was a void. Yeah, and it's like we just we blew up in that void. Hey, you know what? I I mean I I think this is the kind of moment that it's like. Any press, any publicity is good publicity. I, I think agree. this falls into that category easily. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. Right. Yeah, open up. A, Sounds like a sign for a for a beer from New Jersey. <laughs> from Kane. That isn't Departed Souls. That isn't Departed Souls. But we're we're supporting local. But uh, but yeah, it was it was a timing thing, and it's it's been a ton of fun. It's uh it's been frantic at times. The honest the phone ringing has. Is, is is unreal yeah um i've really got a good grasp on all the area codes in california <laughs> at this point because apparently dodgers fans what about uh love us and yeah. hate the astros what about houston area codes uh we've got some hate from those guys and uh you know that's warranted i, I guess you would say some of it was getting pretty um, aggressive though at least i was reading as far as it was, but yeah. I, I don't really want to dwell on that. No, you know, yeah. the, the outpouring of support from everywhere else has has been incredible. Yeah, it's been amazing. No, so. and, that, and that's fantastic. And that's um, you know, like I, I just want again, just as far as Jersey City pride alone. But I just I love Departed Souls, and I love all the beer that you guys make. So just again, just in the publicity stance, but it's just like I hope that this silly beer name then draws in other people and then they're like they're waiting in line and it's sold out that fast oh you know what let me buy that beer too that beer instead or that beer as well and then they get to taste the magic that you guys are creating there because i think it's pretty pretty special and i mean you guys make so many gluten-free beers i feel like that's a pretty we do so that's been so our owner brian had a a really good friend growing up chris who had celiacs Mm -hmm. Uh, and that was sort of Brian's inspiration to start, you know, making gluten-free beer. And uh, he's really brought it a long way. Um, and I think the culmination of that was the All Together collaboration that we did. Um, yeah. How, many, know, how many breweries is that between? 
I'm not sure. I, I don't remember the exact yeah. number. But uh, for the people that are unfamiliar with that, uh, Other Half, who, which is an amazing brewery out in Brooklyn, uh, they put together a recipe and they said, you're all welcome to use this, provided you donate a portion of the proceeds to service industry workers that have been affected by COVID-19 that are out of work because you, those people are an extension of our family yeah. you know, in a way. You know, they, they work in the bars and restaurants that, that buy our beer. You know, so it was, it's, it's our way of, of giving back the best that we can. Um, and we reached out, Brian reached out to other half and asked if they would be okay with us doing a, a gluten-free version. Uh, and they were. Uh, and he ran with it and he did a hell of a job with it. I think it's amazing. And uh, even though I work for a brewery that specializes in gluten-free beer, I'll be honest and say that I don't necessarily enjoy the vast majority of gluten-free beer. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is a beer that, that I'll sit down and drink. I think it's, it's delicious. It's an amazing recipe. It's, and it's a great cause. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that specific beer. But I know people that are gluten-free for, I mean, you know, different, different reasons. And they're just always so happy to find out that there's some great options going on from Departed Souls. Yep. And just the, I mean, so you're in charge of the tap room and everything like that. Let's talk about what goes into that and the decision-making process. And because it's just, it is, it's so welcoming in there you guys are very dog friendly i love just even then we're talking the uh you know the skateboards to hold the, the flights mm -hmm. it's just it's fun in there the whole i mean very pop culture the ninja driven, turtle yeah, vibe ninja turtle vibe yeah because what it was the secret of the bruise was one of the reasons right right so that started the insanity of all this you know we released secret of the bruise and people went insane for it we this did the, bright green right ecto cooler yeah. looking <laughs> blueberry uh, the, uh blue raspberry sour yeah yeah and uh which we have some here believe it or not it's gonna keep these, keep these cold it's on the air. first batch. <laughs> this is actually the test batch whoa which is actually in my, in my handwriting, which is hilarious. <laughs> Take a look at this. There we go. It's a big golden can. <laughs> Brian named that a canoddle. It's a 25-ounce single-use aluminum can. And, uh, and we'll let you taste this one. Oh, wow. Thank you. Yeah, why not? But this sort of started this remarkably weird three to four week period for us where, you know, there was a, a ton of interest in the brewery. Um, and, uh, and Brian has mentioned a few times, it's like what's getting us through COVID is, is Ninja Turtles and baseball. <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing that down. <laughs> what's getting us through COVID. So this is the start of that beer. And it's a, it's a different beer than, uh, than what actually came out. This one was about 5.7% alcohol by volume. Um, the, uh, the blue raspberry, that the yeast really seemed to like the blue raspberry that we used in the, the production batch. And uh, that's why that was an 8.1% beer. Wow. It's got that tartness but it, then it I don't know it seemed to go away pretty pretty quickly so it's not it's there but then it it doesn't it doesn't linger like some some sours do, right you know or a lot of sours do 
what what is that about i mean sours or just even for you like i mean that you didn't like ipas in the beginning then you tasted that that one uh, the left hand warrior and then i mean when it comes to sours just that that threshold of what's too much obviously it's, it is individualistic but like what is it what is it for you so I've never been the the biggest fan of sours, if I'm I'm totally honest. There's a there's a couple that are delicious. There's some Flemish reds that I absolutely adore. Um, I don't. It's just to, like once it it gets past that that point where it's almost starting to taste bile-ish, for lack of a better word, in a way where it's like you take a sip of it and you're like this tastes like heartburn. Yeah. You know, that for me is where it's gone a little bit too far. You know, it's, it's now it's a little out of balance. And I'm sure there's people that are going list, to listen to this and be like, that man is out of his mind. Uh, but, you know, it's all about the things that we like to drink. And also that a lot of these craft beers, it's not like you're supposed to be, not even, let's forget the word, like crushing them like you do other beers, but not even just having the same quantity you're supposed to have one or two sure and you know like and there's at different points of maybe even a meal or in a different order it's just becoming so much more of a range of just what you know like what falls under what category just that that just such a larger spectrum now Mm -hmm. of beers that just even by then that nature there's gonna be a lot more that people might not like sure, but there course. are that many more that you can like and that you'll yep. discover and it's the pushing of boundaries i like yeah. to, to sort of keep things in in the little boxes of you know what are styles mm-hmm. um as a as a frame of reference you know but you know by and large their styles are starting to disappear you know things are blending together we're doing soured ipas and everything else at this point so it's interesting it's fun to watch the evolution has been been great to be a part of and as far as then like creating that tap room and like what goes into just making that environment like what what is your what's in your mindset and just your like mission so there's there's two you know one is is from the operation standpoint where it's like you have to get through this remarkably busy shift and Make sure you aren't running out of things and everybody's being served and everything else. And, and all, the other part of it is me trying not to be my miserable self, uh, which <laughs> which if you look at every negative review that we've ever received, there, chances are it's about me. <laughs> I think uh, you, have a, uh, you have a pretty just even dry delivery, but I think then just like dry like sense of humor. I mean, but you, you also like, I mean... You get, like can be silly, but I think people are misunderstanding more than maybe you. No, it's probably no? deserved. Really? Okay. I was trying <laughs> to, I've, I've had a handful of that to give you the benefit of the... And, uh, and, and to some of our, our public's credit, they've done an excellent job documenting them on things like Yelp. <laughs> but uh, a lot of it is, is trying to make people feel at home. You know, it's like they're coming out and they're spending money in this yeah. establishment. And... Uh, and they're choosing to do that. And you, you, you've got to make the experiences as good as you can. And it's like all the operational stuff that's going on behind the scenes. 
know, figuring out what beer is going to go next, how quickly a keg gets swapped out uh, in the middle of service, making sure we have enough flight boards and tasting glasses and all the chemicals for the dishwasher and everything else. It's like that is that's almost secondary mm-hmm. to the overall experience of of, of what that tap room is. Yeah. Um, and that's what you try to deliver every single day. Yeah, and like I said, it is just such a welcoming environment. I think people feel that extension of just like going from their homes to that tap room because they get to bring their dogs if they have dogs. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, that's pretty, every, every uh, you know, if you don't like dogs, well, I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> I hate to admit it, but there are regulars that we have. I know their dog's name and I can't remember theirs. And that's an awful thing to say. <laughs> and if you're listening, I'm sorry. I actually do remember your names. <laughs> that might be a lie. But, yeah, but like just going in there, I mean, people are just always mingling and just, you know, petting one of those dogs. And just it's a, it's a pretty awesome environment. Yeah, it's been weird to, to be, a, be a part of it because when we first opened, it was, it was very different than the environment that you've seen when you come in on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. Or a pre-COVID-19 Saturday, let's say. Um, because in the beginning, it was just us in the tap room, and we might have a handful of people come in, and you know, we'd drink a few beers behind the bar, and be like, all right, well, we're, we'll go home now. Yeah. And, uh, and now it's, it's very much a, a real legitimate operation where, you know, it's service. Yeah. Um, something that I love that I've seen at the brewery and that I see, obviously see posted in your Instagram, their Instagram is these cartoons of you that end up on the, on the cans. <laughs> I mean, come on, that's gotta be on a, probably a lot of people's like dream list that like end up on a can of beer. So hose play was, was, was the funny one. Hose play is a recipe that Brian and I worked on together that we're actually re-releasing very soon. And that's the, that's baby me is the Nirvana baby yeah, from yeah, the, yeah. from the Nevermind. And, uh, <laughs> Brian did, Brian would not let me see that can before it was done. And it's like, we're good friends with the artist that does this. And like, you know, he would just sort of laugh every time he saw me because he knew it was coming down the pipe and it was, we were canning it and it was the day before. And Brian's like, I'm kind of terrified that you're going to be upset about this. And I'm like, don't worry, dude. If it's terrible, I'll wait until the liquid. I'll wait until the liquid's in the can to get a cease and desist for it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that made him a little bit more nervous. But I thought it was great. I think it's hilarious. If you yeah. can't laugh at yourself, who can you laugh at? And uh, exactly, yeah, that's, that's baby me on the can. And on redheaded step brewer, I'm the very nerdy looking kid that looks devilish. Um, and then me mugging. You know, that that's straight up a picture of, of me from the 80s as a child, just me mugging the hell out of this camera. Yeah. Uh, probably my mom taking the picture, which is... <laughs> and it's uh, great. Then there was my Freshest, and it's like Gollum me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. I can't wait to be... If you guys are listening to this, I've definitely... I've shared a few of them on my Instagram because the world needs to see... This cartoon, cartoon depictions of, of baby you and kid you and angst you. It's all adolescent me. <laughs> yeah, adole- God, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I haven't matured well. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wouldn't be called foodie films if we didn't talk a couple of 
film scenes. I asked you some of your favorite movies, and just right away you even like went. You made it easy for me. You even knew like the the food scenes from those movies. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll I'll say you people give me your top five favorite films, and at least in like two of those, I'm gonna find a food scene, whether it's simple them just sharing a drink or what have you. And two that I I I love that you said. I mean, you said the the film chef and that that is just that is one of the end all like be all reasons that this podcast even exists and even a huge part of my travels and food journeys that i've taken like you know like i had been to a few like bermuda and like the bahamas or whatever but it but after i saw that movie i did one trip to like uh to miami and like key west but then after that i did a cross-country road trip where i hit up I mean, so many cities, but specifically New Orleans and Austin and L.A. Your New Orleans pictures kill me. It's like, because it's still on my bucket list. I haven't made it down there yet. Wow, man. We'll go together. I'll take you down there and I'll show you. I'm in. Sign me up. Yeah. If Brian's listening or when he does listen to this, I'm going to need a few days off, bud. (laughs) To me, like, I love going down there minimum three nights, like, but like maximum four nights. It's just like a magic in between that amount of days. And if you haven't been there before, like four days, four nights down there is just, it's just, it's my, it's my favorite city in the world. St. Lucia for me was a big yeah sort of destination because it's like, it was a French protectorate and English protectorate and you have the, the native, the, the indigenous people cuisine and then it, it, it all wraps together and you get like, there's just super cool food there. Yeah. Charleston, South Carolina. Oh yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I Incredible. went there for the yeah I went there for the first time back in September. Growing up right next to Hot Philadelphia. Oh yeah, yeah. I was there in August. It was a hundred three degrees every day. Oh, I would man. joke with my family that was down there. It's like you take two shirts everywhere you go, right? The shirt that you wear when you're going, and then the shirt they change into right before. <laughs> yeah, I honestly like I I would most likely be living in New Orleans, and I, I get when I did that New Orleans takeover, you know, month of February. All those great interviews, every single one of them, I said to him, like, I just don't know how you guys do it in the summertime. Like, it was one humid day this past weekend. And I'm just like, I, I mean, because also when I'm down there, I'm like, I'm the first one to break a sweat up here. And I go down there and like everyone's sweating. I'm like, my people. But it still it still doesn't feel good right. to me. And, and now with the whole mask thing? The mask thing. And then also one of the big things that they always say, like summertime, it's like, that's when you go to the movies. I'm like, oh boy, like I don't know if that's gonna be, you know, like what people want to do or can do this summer is to be in the air conditioning and get away for a few hours. Like, and it's gonna be strange times, but we'll get through it. Yeah, bake some bread. <laughs> Maybe not if it's super hot, because yeah. makes makes your kitchen real hot when you do it. <laughs> but back to the movies. Back to the movies. You said Goon, and I I love Goon. It is such so do a. I. I played hockey growing up. Yeah. It's I to me it's I mean and that was during the 80s so yeah one one of the best hockey movies it's it does get over the top but at the same time just like a goon an enforcer and that well it's a terrific underdog story it is a ter- yeah yeah it really and is it's what it comes down to but yeah. my like I have a, a straight hatred of corn dogs <laughs> so my mom tried to give me food poisoning when I was a kid she went to the grocery store and like very young me uh-huh. And she bought a package of like the pre-made corn dogs, 
And I remember like taking a bite of it and like this doesn't taste right. And, is like, that when the mean mug and picture was taken? No, this is this, this <laughs> probably around that time actually. And I got violently ill from these corn dogs. And since then, it's like I won't go near a corn dog. If mm-hmm. somebody were to bring them to my house, I'm throwing them out. Like, and there's the scene in Goon with corn dogs. And yeah. I just remember, and he's like, "I like corn dogs," and I'm like, "I fucking hate corn dogs, man." A testament to how much you like that movie, right? Because. I mean, in theory, what he says, it, it's great. Like, it's food on a stick, you know? Yeah. Who doesn't like food on a stick? But it's not, not corn dogs. <laughs> I'll take a kebab any day of the week. Yeah. That scene, and then I always... Not that it's... You know, that's clearly, like, a food scene. You see the food and everything like that. The conversations about it. I love Liev Schreiber in that movie. Yes. As Ross, the boss, Rhea. Yes. And Amazing. Just that, like... Newfoundland accent he does I'm not gonna even I tried to simply and it's like the it. scenes where he's like sitting in a cafe exactly. smoking a cigarette late night diner cigarette you know? black coffee right and in walks Sean William Scott and that I want to play that clip right now and then we're gonna talk about it a little bit more you're a tough little bastard out there you can fucking bang thank you thanks so much so I'm gonna impart some of the wisdom of my years on you and I could really use some of that Everybody loves the soldiers until they come home and stop fighting. You understand what I'm saying? Mm. Mm, I don't know. No. Kid, you got this thing. The stuff, the shit, the fucking grit. You got it, like me. But like me, that's all you fucking got. And like me, you're no good to anyone doing anything else. All I'm saying is don't go trying to be a hockey player. Get your fucking heart ripped out. But I am a hockey player, sir. You're a fucking goon. That plays hockey. Like you. I don't play much hockey. You're a hockey player, sir. You know they just want you to bleed, right? I'm here to do whatever they need me to do. You know, if they need me to bleed, then I'll bleed for my team. Yeah. I suppose you heard I'm gonna retire at the end of the season. I've been at this since I was 17, but I'll be damned if I'm gonna go out like some Nancy boy middle-aged fuck. You understand? Yeah, I understand. You have my respect. Whatever that means to you, you got it. But know this shit hard. If ever there comes a time when it gets down to the marrow and it's you and me, kid, I will lay you the fuck out. Just the tension in that scene when he goes like, you know, they just want you to bleed. And right. Like, you know, if we ever meet on the ice, like, you got my respect, whatever that means to you. But if we meet on the ice, I'm going to knock you the fuck out. It's just, he is so goddamn good in that movie. Yeah. So good. Just the, just that, yeah, it's the underdog and it's also then like the passing of the torch. Yep. I love the, like, again, the over the topness like that. Um, I forget what piece of classical music that plays and just like when he gets beaten and his tooth is out at the end and he's just smiling while like Sean William Scott is like and just like bleeding all over the place it's just ridiculous. it's amazing it's, it's so terrific but just yeah that scene and them like him the coffee the cigarette the diner booth and just it's just that's what that's what I want like all my diner scenes to be like I just always <laughs> That, right, that amount of tension. Not the end of Sopranos. That like. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
Or like Goodfellas that the phone rings outside and De Niro finds out that Pesci was killed and he starts fucking right. <laughs> Man, this did turn into a very Jersey episode. <laughs> there we go. Um, well, here, here we go. We're also, let's talk, uh, you said The Godfather and I love it. It's like Clemenza's making the meatballs. Yeah. And at that point, a very soft-spoken Al Pacino before he's all roostery and talking like this after sense right. of a woman. He's very, uh, you know, okay, yeah, okay, I'm going to talk to you like this. And, uh, but she just wants him, what she wants him to say, uh, I love you back. Right. <laughs> Clemens is... Mikey, why don't you tell that nice girl you love her? <laughs> oh, I tell her you love her every day. And he starts like <laughs> singing and everything like that. Oh, it's so good. I love Clemenza. But that goes right back to what we were talking about earlier. Family and food. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. What's the... I wrote it down. He says... Um, yeah, he's, he's making the meatballs. He's telling them, like, what goes into it. But, like, right before it, he says, uh, you never know when you're going to have to cook for 20 guys someday. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, mafia, family, what have you. But <laughs> But that's, like... That's like the scene, and he's just, and he's telling him those specific things, a little wine, you know, just what goes into Clemenza's meatballs. Right, no recipe whatsoever. It's oh, like, no. this is how you do it. This is a, like a giant jug of, like, Carlo Rossi. Just like Grandma, this is how you do it. <laughs> I love the arc of, you know, of Clemenza in the series, and then Bruno Kirby plays a younger him, and you see him just like, that's so food driven because every scene he's just eating on something because mm-hmm. they're like well he has to get to the size of Clemenza what he was in, uh, in the original right leave the gun take the cannoli <laughs> <laughs> well last but not least I got a little round of questions it's called gut instincts it's just whatever comes to you first oh god uh, you do know I started my day off with a tequila sunrise right all right. That's that's the that should be that's going to become a prerequisite now for anyone further that does gut, the gut instinct segment. Favorite fast food? Fried chicken. Go Popeyes to, specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did you ever have that chicken sandwich? I have. I didn't. And I'll be honest with you. Yeah. The food truck here in Jersey City. No force no giving. giving. Yeah. That chicken sandwich blows it out of the water. Of course it. Not does. Not even close. I don't. Like, I, I. I. Not. I didn't like. I didn't not go, and then I also didn't, like, attempt to really go to Popeye's at the same time. But I'm like, it just can't, like, it pr- sh- shouldn't deserve the attention that it's getting like that. You know, like, you're going to have that, that, yeah, that fried chicken sandwich that No Fork's given me. It's, it's Unreal. Just, it's so good. So good. And the seasoned curly fries, yeah. the, whole, the whole thing is just yeah. perfect. And why it is sweetheart of a dude. Anyway, back to your question. <laughs> Go to alcoholic beverage. Uh, Jim Beam. Straight or on the rocks? Usually with ginger ale. Yeah. Yeah. Favorite childhood snack? Ooh, that's a tough one. Corn dogs. No, not corn dogs. (laughs) What's the Polish cookie with all the... Krzyzczyki, is that what it's called? Ooh, you got me there. I don't know. It's this really light Polish cookie. It's got a twist to it. It's covered in in confectioner sugar. If you inhale the wrong way, you nearly choke to death while you're eating it. It's good that you know that because when I take you to New Orleans, you got to know the that beignet. for eating a beignet. Yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. My grandmother tried to kill me with those cookies. I know all about this. Everyone like, was trying to kill you. Yeah, well, you know. Have you met me? 
That's what most of the Yelp reviews say. <laughs> uh, sweet or savory? Savory. Favorite food city? Philadelphia. Favorite cuisine? French. Guilty pleasure food? Taco Bell. <laughs> they put they release something new, even if it's French fries. I'm, yeah. I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I was working on a gig in Louisville when the um, Doritos like taco shell mm-hmm. like came out or whatever. And in Louisville is where like that and KFC and there's one other. There's like three that are owned by the same company. They're even their basketball center is called the Yum Center or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like and I'm like, okay, like I can count on one hand I think how many times I've had Taco Bell. But I'm like, I need to have it. He, he, I need to just. I would have had it in general there, and then that's also when they released the Doritos shell. And I'm like, well, I got to be honest. Before something. before the whole COVID thing, I was like a once a week Taco Bell guy. Wow, I I love Taco Bell with every ounce of my being. <laughs> I'm so ashamed to admit it. That's you know, it's a like, great answer for guilty pleasure. Food. My favorite cuisine is French. It's like I'll eat escargot all day long. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> But not if there's a Taco Bell on the corner. (laughs) There's that Gordito crunch, yeah. (laughs) Favorite condiment? Mustard. What's the last thing you ate? Uh, One of the little donut holes from the Franklin here that's covered in chocolate and Mm -hmm. delicious. Yeah. And right before that, it was their salmon toast. Ooh. Yeah. I saw, I've yet to eat in there. We were walking by there today. I figured we'd stop in and get a little bit of... Yeah. We ordered to go and we did their curbside pickup. Gotcha. So, because you don't really stop in places anymore. Yeah. What would be your last meal? Peking duck. Mm. I love it. And what would you be drinking with that? It's my last meal. Everything that I can. (laughs) Good answer. Uh... Eat in or like or dine out, which is obviously a uh, you know we don't have the option necessarily right now. But I love the entire experience of dining out. Yeah, and it's like I and I particularly love, <clears throat> and this is crazy. I love dining out by myself, yeah, because it's an entire meal where I don't have to worry about anything else. Your focus is that right. right? It's yeah. like yeah. and right before the whole COVID thing started, I spent some time in Atlantic City. And it's like, I needed a break from work. Yeah. Not, not Atlantic City. No. Uh, Asbury Park. Asbury, yeah, I remember that, yeah. And uh, and I went to every restaurant I wanted to go to in town. Mm-hmm. And I ordered what I wanted to eat. And I drank what I wanted to drink. That was a great time. It was a great little trip. Yeah. I'm so happy that I did that. Food has that ability, that escapism to it. Yep. And, Absolutely. And then, like, you know, in general, but then, you know... It's I, I, eating alone to me is like I mean I love I loved going to the movies alone too because it's just and especially if a movie's been out for a little while and I go to like a matinee forget and it's an empty theater empty theater Perfect. and it's yeah and maybe I'll even sneak in like a meal from like, you know, a place that I enjoy instead of getting uh, something there because it's too expensive. What what is your spirit food? What food or drink? You think embodies you? Spirit food is barbecue. Yeah. I've been cooking barbecue for a long time. I love it. It's like, I've been cooking barbecue for 
more than 20 years now. <laughs> and I love everything about the process. I like cooking barbecue more than I like eating barbecue. Wow. You know, it's like being up all night with the smoker and making sure your temperature is right mm -hmm. and then pulling it off. And it's like, particularly here in New Jersey, because we don't have barbecue culture at all. No. That's yeah. very much a Southern thing and a Midwestern thing to an extent. Um, and people love it and they appreciate it. And it's like, even when you fuck it up, people are like, this is delicious. And you're just like, no. I'm that, glad you yeah. think that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but at the same time, I mean, then what goes into that is like you, you like you said early on about making bread. It's like you still got bread, right? You know, I just like things that take a long time. You know, naturally think, pickling yeah. sourdough bread. I think you like the precision making, of it, right? I do. I love it. Like, and the, I like so, the science behind it. I like where the science meets the art. Yeah, because you know, there's no science to putting wood in a smoker and keeping your temperature right. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, I mean, I guess there is if you were to have this perfect environment. No, it, it's just, I get what you're it's just knowing how to yeah. do it. It's, yeah. you know, failing at something 50 times and then getting it right. And it's being in touch with that thing, right? Because, I mean, talk about like cooking sourdough and you've got, you've got, it's a living thing. Yeah, very much so. And a couple of, like a little bit of fluctuation in temperature in either direction and it doesn't come out the same. Same thing with fermenting beer. Yeah. So I should have done a better analogy than saying like it's like she gave me a canary. It's more, it's more important than a fucking canary. It's not a canary's a living thing. It's like, <laughs> and so is yeast, obviously. Yeah, but it's but, like you know you kill your starter, you just make it again. I don't think you can make a canary. Well, you know what they were using the coal mines frivolously. So <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this. Anyhow, um, you're going to the movies. What kind of what kind of snack are you having? I'm not. No? No. I'm just a water guy. I hate popcorn. I don't hate popcorn. I hate the artificial flavorings that they use for popcorn. I hate diacetyl. I can't stand it. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I'm just not a, just not a food in a movie theater person. It's That's like fine. I hate the crunching. Like you're some dramatic be, scene yeah. and there's some asshole next to you eating nachos and getting them all over the place. Like <laughs> it drives me nuts. Like clean it up, dude. I'm sorry about that. That was probably me one time. We've never been we in a movie theater together. Like, Maybe before we knew one another. Perhaps. I don't know. In a different lifetime. <laughs> Last but not least, a great, if not the greatest lesson you've learned when it comes to food. Just to sit down and enjoy it with people. Like, I know I talk about going to dinner alone. Yeah. But that's a different experience. But now more enjoy than ever. Enjoy the people yeah. around you. You know, yeah. enjoy the process of making it. Like, understand the history of it. Don't let traditions die. Like, it's it's such a huge thing. And uh, and I think this whole I think if there's one positive that comes out of this whole COVID thing, it's like we're going to see a lot of old traditions come back. That would be fantastic. And yeah. when you are together with the people that that you love, you're going to appreciate that time a lot more. And uh, and that's super important. Awesome. Brant, this was a, a long time coming. I feel like I, I, every time I was in the brewery, I'm like, I got to get you on. It, it only took a, it only took a pandemic. <laughs> well, here's to the next one. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. You got to edit that yeah, out. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, please, right now, uh, tell the foodies out there where they can find you on social media, or obviously Departed Soul, all that good stuff. 
So, you know, my Instagram handle is, is Brantadid, B-R-A-N-T-A-D-I-D. Uh, it's just a lot of pictures of food. and it's Lots of croissants, lots of corn dogs, lots of... <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Departed Souls is here in Jersey City. We're located at 150 Bay Street. Uh, Souls is S-O-L-E-S if you want to look us up. Yeah. Um, What's the origin of that name? I didn't even ask you that. Brian and his friend Chris were sneakerheads. Oh, okay, yeah. You know, and uh, so the actual, the full origin is um, Chris at Celiacs, Brian and Chris had always talked about opening something that, that would cater to, to, to that niche. And uh, unfortunately, Chris, who was a, a teacher, if I remember correctly, also worked at a restaurant during the summer. And he was driving home from work one night and he died in an auto accident. Oh. So Brian pushed forward with all this and eventually yeah. opened up Departed Souls. And part of it because of Chris, Souls because they were both sneakerheads. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, that's, and that's that. You know, that's how it all started. That's, that's crazy. That's a hell of a note to end on. End on. <laughs> but still, thank you so much for coming on. Thank we you. Ha- it's been an absolute pleasure. We have a little uh, uh, catchphrase to end every episode with. It's something that my grandmother, the one that I will be... Uh, hopefully filming in the near future cooking stuff she always says there's more to cut just to her that meant literally what she was cooking and what she'll slice off when the platter is getting sparse but to me i feel like it just transcends into there's more to cut there's more out there for everybody so if you wouldn't mind telling the foodies out there that there's more to cut there is more to cut awesome yummy 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 i got love in my tummy such a sweet